This episode has been brought to you in part by the Azrieli Music Prizes. Join them in celebrating artistic excellence at the AMP Gala Concert, live from Maison Symphonique in Montreal, happening October 20th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Orchestre Metropolitain will premiere award-winning music by laureates Aharon Harla, Iman Habibi, and Rita Ueda. Learn more at azrielifoundation.org backslash AMP. shooting at a synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Just moments ago, police reporting there are multiple casualties. At least four people are believed to be held hostage right now, including a rabbi at a synagogue. Well, you recognize, of course, some of those terrible news stories that we just heard. The murder of 11 Jews at the Tree of Life synagogue in Pittsburgh four years ago, and also the hostage taking at a synagogue in Coleyville, Texas, just in January. Many Canadian Jews are thinking about whether they will head back in person to synagogue for the coming high holidays after COVID kept the buildings closed for two years. Meanwhile, Jewish schools are open, community programs are up and running, and the people whose jobs it is to keep these places safe want to make sure incidents like the ones in the United States don't happen in this country. Actually, they don't expect they will happen here because of Canada's tighter gun laws, for one thing. But that doesn't mean people should let their guard down, which is why the head of community security for CJA, the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs, and also the newly appointed vice president of community security for Toronto's Jewish Federation have been busy conducting site visits of Jewish buildings and teaching volunteers a new protocol, what to do when something happens. It's called run, hide, defend. Uh, so it is defend. It is the last fight for your life. It should be uh, the last course of action you take. Uh, and, and, and doing that defense may buy you time to ride or may buy you time to, to hide. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, September the 14th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, the podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. The high holidays of 2021 looked and felt a lot different for the Jewish community. After Israel and Hamas had just been in a two-week war, anti-Israel and anti-Jewish activists took their protests right into Jewish neighborhoods across the country. These days, things have seemed to be a little bit quieter, to me anyway, but hate crimes against Canadian Jews have not gone down. They're still at record levels. So what will it look like for these high holidays this year in 2022? Will there be even more security guards and police? And what about when the holidays are over? What then? Coming up, we'll speak with two of the security directors who are now in charge of keeping Canada's Jewish community safe. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Mike Tepper with the Canadian Anti-Semitism Education Foundation, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. A pro-Palestinian activist turned up at the launch of the Toronto Jewish Community's 2022 major fundraising campaign on Monday night. He managed to attend the whole evening, featuring former U.S. President George W. Bush, speaking on stage together with former Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper. When the program ended and the politicians had safely left... The activist sprung into action. He got up to the bottom of the stage and buttonholed the head of the Jewish Federation, Adam Minsky. And of course, the man was videoing the whole encounter on his phone until security moved in and asked him to leave. And then while he was being escorted out, he loudly voiced his opinions to the guests about Israel and apartheid. 
and the whole thing later appeared on his YouTube channel. Here's a little of what that sounded like. Does everybody here support a free Palestine? You guys support free Palestine? You think the Israelis are killing people, innocent people? What do you guys think about that? What do you think about Shirin Abu Akhla? What do you guys think about Shirin Abu Akhla? Why? You don't care about humans? Palestinians are not sir, we gotta go. Huh? Sir, you're supporting apartheid, you're supporting criminal activities. Now, no one got hurt, but it's the kind of incident that keeps the security directors of Canada's Jewish communities up at night. In fact, a similar incident happened last week in Vancouver. This time, it was Jewish protesters who briefly disrupted an evening at a synagogue where Sija and another community group were hosting the main candidates running for mayor. And when one of them promised to support the IRA definition of anti-Semitism if he were to be elected, three protesters who oppose IRA started shouting and holding up a sign until they too got kicked out, led by the shul's furious rabbi. I'll play this clip for you at the end of today's show so you can hear what that sounded like. Jerry Alamandradis is Sija's director of security. He's in Ottawa. He's a former Canadian soldier who served in Afghanistan. And he's been conducting security training sessions, including just recently in Edmonton for the Jewish community. He joined me and the CJN's news editor, Lila Sarek. What are you hearing when you go out into the community? Uh, what is the, the, the anxiety level of Canadian Jews? I would say that the, that the levels of anxiety are mixed from high to non-existent. Uh, there are some persons who believe and in institutions that it will never take place in Canada. Uh, and there's people who have it very much on their radar. From a perspective of, uh, you know, based on our liaison with law enforcement, we see something such as what happened in, in Texas um, or in, in Pittsburgh as a not, a not a most likely scenario right now, but it's the most dangerous, but least likely event. Looking at the crime uh, statistics uh, across Canada, you will see that the community, the Jewish community, it, it is the one that continues to receive uh, statistically the most amount of, uh, of hate. Uh, but if we drill down and we do an analysis, we do a so what, as I like to call it, if we drill down to each incident, we see that the majority is property damage, vandalism, the, the hate calls, uh, bomb threats, the, the mail. Um, so these are things that take a psychological toll on people. Physical assaults are very much in the minority. We, we don't see that. It's not a, a rising trend um, against the community. Um, so that is the least likely thing. So most of the things that happen, we prepare by having the good, the right cameras in the right place to be able to assist police forces with the post-incident investigation, trying to figure out who destroyed what, who vandalized what, uh, at what time, and when they did it. That's to deal with the most likely. The most dangerous scenario is, of course, a Pittsburgh-style uh, attack. So how do we how do we prepare for that? Well, we prepare for that through various ways. We prepare for that through learning how to spot the threat, understanding what the threat is, what a threat may look like, in order not to have it come across our threshold. Because once the threat is at your threshold, it is too late. So we need to spot. We need to look at certain behavioral indicators, uh, certain body language that a possible threat may exhibit in order to buy us time and space to put in our security protocols, such as a lockdown, 
in a timely manner, nor in a desperate manner when you have to improvise under stress. So that is one of the things that, that we teach and, and we, can, we can get an understanding of what the threat looks like and get some early warning through either the use of technology or the person or a combination of both. The other one is understanding the strategy that the, uh, sorry, the tactics and, and techniques that police uh, forces across Canada urge that people adopt. And that is the run, hide, defend. When you say defend, though, what does that look like? When you're actually in there, are we going to throw fire extinguishers at the person? Are we going to uh, do what they did on the, you know, the flight, the doomed flight at the Pentagon and basically rush the terrorists? What are you telling synagogue members and, and security people at schools to do? It is the last resort. And if you're going to do it, then you will use anything that is around you, whether you set a fire extinguisher, a screwdriver, a chair, because as the police say in the training videos, this is the fight for your life. As we are going through that, preparing for an active threat, part of that is a preparation. It is an audit. It is an inspection of the physical locale, whether it's the shul, the school of the JCC, to make sure that everybody understands where your exits are and where you head. Because you'll be surprised at how many people don't know all their exits in a building that they've worked on for almost years, uh, that they exist. And then how to create rooms where we can hide it rather than being faced with a threat and having to pile on furniture uh, to do that, to allow a person not to come in, to prepare rooms where we can hide in order to buy time for the police to arrive and deal with the threat. Synagogues, especially synagogues, are, are in such a difficult place. You know, we always have people visiting us, mm-hmm. you know, and how does a synagogue, what's a synagogue supposed to do? Like, we don't want to offend someone who's Jewish, who maybe doesn't look like a what we might think is typical. We don't want to offend those people. But as it's not about creating a fortress mentality. It is about, uh, so for example, if we start with access control, access control don't, doesn't mean throwing on steel bars, steel doors. You can still have your, your doors as they are. It just means if somebody comes to your door and rings on your buzzer, you don't have to be hostile you know, if you have your camera, you're able to see, or you're, you're the person outside, it's, hey, how you doing? I haven't seen you here before. Uh, what brings you in? Uh, who do you have an appointment with? At what time? Right? Open sort of questions that are, are firm and friendly, and then to gauge people's intentions. Uh, ethnicity is not a determinant of, um, of intent. Ethnicity is not a determinant that somebody is a threat, as I make that often known. You know, you can be open and welcoming, taking minor steps without becoming a fortress. There was an incident um, not too long ago of uh, in, in a synagogue in Alberta where, uh, you know, some of the community members noticed that uh, a, a duo that had entered uh, the shul on Shabbat uh, were not members of the community or even Jewish uh, or, or of that particular community because of certain things, uh, how they wore their, their kippahs and, and at the time that they arrived in service. Uh, so basically, at this point, the members of the community did what they'd been trained to do, which is approach these strangers with a firm but friendly engagement to gauge their intent. Uh, and so then it came out, as I spoke to our network, of because uh, we do have a security working group that is stretches across Canada, if anybody else had seen these two individuals. 
because they were very forthcoming to the community members who approached them at the synagogue in Alberta and said, we had been visiting uh, a whole bunch of synagogues across Canada. So it, it, it was done. It came out that they had been in Windsor uh, and then it came out that they had been in Alberta. Uh, at the end, we did a, a check on them. They were forthcoming with their own information. Uh, the community members took down the license plate numbers of when they drove away. Then we did a bit of a research and, and we found out that they were not a, uh, they were from uh, uh, a Christian denomination that wanted to get more information about other religions. And so they were not a threat, but this is a sort of thing that a community member brings that a security guard, which changes often when you hire one or a pay duty officer brings to community security that those contracted uh, elements can't. It's the cultural understanding what to look for. Chris Fernandez has been on the job as Vice President of Community Security with Toronto's UJA Federation for just two and a half months. He spent 30-plus years as a senior police officer in the greater Toronto area. He retired as a deputy chief. He's also not Jewish. He was part of the security detail for the George Bush-Stephen Harper event. We thought, well, the Secret Service will be taking care of it and the RCMP and, and that detail. What role does UJA security or did it also have to play? You know, we had a strategic plan in place when it comes to security, and you mentioned the Secret Service and the RCMP, and, and we had some um, we had some Toronto uh, police uh, people there as well inside the venue. And, you know, there's just uh, the, the, the areas of, um, of the responsibility. So um, very often the Secret Service and the RCMP are very um, protective of the stage and... and you know, the two gentlemen and, and, of course, the moderator that was there. And, and their role is to secure um, that area and ensure that no one uh, gets up close to uh, the presenters. Um, and they do that well. Uh, in regards to uh, the rest of the venue, we, uh, we had um, Toronto Police outside uh, on foot, but also on bicycles to support um, our exterior. So it was a layered security plan. And as you saw, um, as we enter, uh, everybody entered the venue, there was a metal detector that everyone um, had to uh, endure and, and go through. And, and, and of course, as you know, that's the protection for everybody. So everybody can have a safe, secure, enjoyable environment for, for that great event, right? And, and for ourselves, we had our security team in suit and tie in the theater, um, supporting any issues that, uh, that occurred in, in the audience area. So that's how we layered our security for uh, for last night. And, and from a security side, um, we were we were happy with our, uh, our, our our plan that we had in place. Except that there were a couple of things that um, uh, happened. Would you can you describe them and how how dangerous they were? Like, was it a ten? Was it a one? Yeah. Was it like a, a two? There was one incident where a woman was in with a banner and yeah. yelling warmonger, right? So yeah. was that expected? Why wasn't that prevented? Or is, isn't that no big deal, I guess? Yeah. Well, we're prepared for the, um, any event of any incident happening. And, and we spoke about in our briefing and our, um, our uh, briefing with all uh, the security folks that uh, this could happen. And if here's what our response is when it comes to... Uh, you know, to a situation like that. And, and uh, quite frankly, um, we want to resolve those situations uh, as peacefully, de-escalate, 
Um, you know, a lot of times you can't control the actions of the other person, but you can definitely control your actions when it comes to your communication techniques and, and, and how you uh, de-escalate a situation and, and try to resolve it as peacefully as possible so everyone can enjoy the event. So in that particular instance you're talking about, um, you know, we didn't identify a, a, that as a high security risk, but definitely disruptive to the event. I'm going to uh, just bring up the video that we all saw. You've seen it now. Mm -hmm. This is a Palestinian activist. I shouldn't say he's Palestinian. He might be a different, but an Arab activist right. who's a known uh, irritant and a known um, uh, agitator mm -hmm. activist in the community who has had clashes with the Jewish community before. How did he get to the front of the stage with the CEO and selfie with him and then do his thing? How yeah. was he allowed to in there if yeah. they know who he was? Yeah. So how, how thanks that for that. And, and again, um, it's premature for me to comment on um, how that happened, right? Till we debrief, um, you know, uh, you know, review how he got in, where he got in, and really, you know, his um, his actions while he was at the venue. Um, I, I really don't want to comment on that because anything I say right now uh, might not be accurate till I know um, all the facts. But you are going to include that in your debrief. Absolutely, it'll 100% be part of our, our debrief. So in the security industry, when we look at uh, crisis management or, or emergency management, we break it down into uh, preparedness, prevention, mitigation, response, recovery. So each piece of that, we have a plan for, right? So um, what we want to be able to do is to look and see, could we have prevented it and how? And, and if it was preventable, then we're going to be prepared for that in the next, you know, there's always a learning piece when it comes to, um, you know, running events, whether it's a planned or sometimes an unplanned event. You know, in my policing backgrounds, we had a lot of planned events where you're able to put, you know, a, a very structured, comprehensive plan together. And then sometimes there's a ad hoc protest or incident and you're responding and now you're hoping that your training and everything you've done um, allows you to handle it uh, the best for everyone involved, right? Including protesters, if it's a protest, to keep everyone safe and, you know, in an environment because, uh, you know, we in Canada are allowed to have peaceful protests and we want to, uh, you know, in the, in the security and the policing world, we want to ensure that uh, people are allowed to have their voice in a safe, secure environment for everyone. So um, when we look at uh, what happened last night, we just want to be able to break down, is it something we could have prevented? Is it something we could have prepared uh, for more? Is it, could we have mitigated better when the, uh, when the incident occurred? And then what's our response and recovery for that? So we're going to look at all that and, and do a proper evaluation on uh, what happened and how we can do better. Let's talk about, you know, your experience with uh, Jewish hate crimes and Jewish um, community concerns. So tell us, uh, you know, how you are going to approach this, um, this new job when yeah. this is a big issue. Yeah. So thank you. And, and I want to refer back to uh, where we start. And it's our mission statement for the UJ Federation, which talks about preserving and strengthening the quality of Jewish life. And I want to make sure I get it right in greater Toronto, in Canada. Um, in Israel and globally. So the community security part of that is really just uh, um, supporting that mission. And like I, I mentioned earlier, uh, the UJ Federation takes that community security um, very serious. And um, the, the rise in, um, in hate crime, uh, especially anti-Semitic incidents, uh, is alarming. Uh, so uh, we take that very serious and, and 
you know, in, in Toronto, um, we have a, a, a very safe Jewish community compared to other parts of the world. But um, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be prepared, uh, prepared for any incidents, any threats that may, we might face. Um, and just to have uh, what I call a, um, a healthy vigilance um, and awareness of situations and be prepared, uh, not just us at the Federation, but to ensure that our Jewish community are prepared when it comes to institutions, synagogues, uh, Jewish schools. Um, and that's our role is to, uh, is to support that pr- preparedness. Fernandez doesn't know yet if there will be pop-up security command posts erected in Toronto's main Jewish areas during the high holidays the way there were last year. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Ron Diamond. He wrote in about our episode on why the Queen never got to Israel. And we'll end the show, as promised, with that clip of the minor disturbance at Vancouver's Temple Shalom mayoralty event last week. So listen for Rabbi Moskowitz. They leave now. They leave now. They leave now. They leave now.